Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. Okay, we're on overtime. Uh, what will be the fallout from the Rolling Stone retraction of its rape on campus story? This... Uh, what? Yes. Well, it's it's a real unfortunate thing because rape in America is exactly. a, an important issue. and They it somehow gotten... found the one fraternity on the one night where there wasn't a rape. <laughs> That's not how I would put it, but you know, of course not. It, it, it's, it's a collective failure in journalism, and it has to be built. Journalism has to be built on trust, right? The trust of the source, the trust of the reporter, of the editor, the trust of the people above that, and every level of this. When you read the forensic account of what happened in that story, I can't understand how it made publication. You know, as an editor, we make these tough decisions all the time, but it has changed the conversation about rape, where it should actually well, be a conversation. But, in this country. but you can you can understand how it made publication because. I mean, it was the biggest story in just about anything for about two and a half weeks. And clearly, the, I mean, I completely well, agree with you about, <clears throat> you know, that it was a complete shit show from beginning to end in terms of, in terms <laughs> of what, they were, what they were doing. But, but they, you know, they thought the lead, well, the lead for the story, the, it was just too good. It was too good. The, to lesson, the lesson is you can't, you can't work backwards from the result you want. That's what we did with Iraq, isn't it? You know, they wanted to find weapons of mass destruction. That was quite a, so Dick, quite a segue there, So Bill. Dick Cheney I gotta, was... I gotta say, that was really impressive. But it's kind of true. That's why they Dick Cheney was like, money. find me a guy who thinks there's weapons of mass destruction. And Rolling Stone was like, this is an issue. And the difference is that this really is an issue when there weren't really any weapons well, of mass destruction. there were alarm bells, you know, that yes, both the reporter course. and the editor no. had, and nobody they trusted did it, them. Yeah. Well, how, how can they not... How can nobody be fired as a result of this? That's what I don't understand. How can because they, there's... Le- I, I yeah. think because there's legal liability. Right, They're scared. That That's if they right. fire someone, they're admitting that they... Well, will they ever something. publish a, another story by that reporter? Well, they have... No, that's the thing. If they don't publish another story, then they have effectively fired her, and that could be taken and as you, evidence. And you can't put all the blame on her, either. I mean, really, it was layer after layer after layer where they, they had fallen down. I, I can put a fair amount I, of I, I see most of it. I, I mean... Uh, right. I mean, she was certainly culpable of lying. But... but she, Oh, the, I'm talking about the reporter. Because, oh, the reporter. And too. she specifically said, you know, no one, no one pushed me to, to ask these three people right. for their real information or to track them. But down. you're and supposed to know that. I, I started out at a sure. newspaper called the Daily Local News in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Tiny paper. We once ran a headline: "Woman beats off would-be rapist." That's how. <laughs> the, that's the kind of newspaper it was. We ran front-page pictures of zucchini. We would never have printed that story. And I don't know of anybody who would have. That's what I'm saying, though. How, how, can, how can you not... Anyway. So. That's a great headline, Dave. It's a true headline. <laughs> I didn't, it really? I didn't write it, yeah. W- woman beats off... Rape. Would-be rapist. Oh, that's... Nobody noticed it. Until uh, <laughs> so, it was too late. What is the impact of Obama's recent announcement calling for an end to conversion therapies? Uh, yes, that's the pray away the gay, right? It's the, the belief that you can pray away gay. And, and the president, to his credit, is coming out and saying, come on, this, this, is, uh, this is crazy. You cannot pray away the gay. Hey, it worked for me. <laughs> is that how you became straight, Dave? I'm just trying to be part of the panel. I'm... <laughs> They told me to participate. Yeah, that's you know. okay. It comes uh, at the same time. The White House has a gender-neutral restroom. I mean, the president is trying to set an right. example there. And, and the employees in the White House have actually said, you know, they feel like he is trying to lead there, and perhaps that will catch on. I mean, you can liken it to the minimum wage debate or, you know, some of the other things he's trying to do. But it's certainly a way to... Um, what, what is the view of the conservatives you know, those, those great the ones, view, the view, on, on praying away I, the gay? 
Well, first of all, the conversion therapy stuff, some of it is um, weak or bullshit Freudianism rather than, um, you know, sort of prayer-based. It's sort of a holdover from Freudian theories of homosexuality. And I think the consensus is it doesn't work, and it's What was Freud's view on homosexuality? Freud's view... Uh, is this... How, how much time do we have on overtime? Freud had, <laughs> Freud had a lot of views on homosexuality, but Boy, Freud... Boy, down. I mean, the Freudian take was... Well, or at least the interpretation of the Freudian take um, was that, you know, he, I think he called homosexuality inversion, and he, like everything with Freud, he connected it to issues with your mother here and your father there and so on, and so the right. argument was... You know, you have a distant father and a domineering mother, and so you grow up to be gay. And this was sort of a strain in psychotherapy for a long time. And it was picked up by some social and religious conservatives, I think, starting in the 60s and 70s. Anyway, it's, it's a longer story, but that's, that's, that's <laughs> no, I boiled down. That, yeah. I mean, I'm a little skeptical about... I think there's a distinction here between what parents do to kids and what adults do. There are, you know, it's a free country, and there are gay adults who want to go to a therapist... Who can who talks to them about becoming straight, and that's reality, and it's a free country, and okay. I don't think it's the president's place necessarily to say, I mean, I, I yeah, I don't think it's the president's place to say what consenting adults can do with their therapist in the privacy I, of his office. I, I think what it's getting at is that yeah. under the under the radar of very overt discrimination against gays, there is a lot of this kind of stuff that that um, gays have to put up with that that I think he's trying to change the culture, not so much propose a, a big new law. And I, think, and I think it is true that there is a lot of this kind of below-the-radar um, stuff that is directed towards gays that, you know, makes, makes life hard. And, and I think the government has always had a role in saying about any health supplement that's phony, wouldn't they point that out and say this, there's just sawdust in this pill? It's not real. And there's no there's no evidence that it works. There's well, the, but with, there's no evidence that right, prayer works at but, all, for but anything. But with issues of like Freudian therapy, honestly, if you want to get into it saying the government needs to start regulating whether talking to therapy works or not, he's, then you're going to open like six layers of. I mean, there's no evidence that Freudian or Jungian therapy works generally, right? Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's an extreme statement. But if you had the FDA regulating union, union therapists, you'd but, uh, get into a ridiculous you, situation. You and I both You're going to get a lot of emails from psychiatrists. Yeah. <laughs> you and I both know that Obama's really an atheist. So, I mean, like, he could have said prayer doesn't work at all. <laughs> oh. Am I going to get know. Scott Walker if I don't know. if I don't say that I think Obama is a liberal Christian but a Christian? So okay, so Farid, is our recent obsession with STEM education misguided? Oh yes. Now here's something we agree on: liberal education. I think that's fantastic that you're stick, taking the banner for that. I got a liberal education. I was an English major. I use English in my career, and and we have forgotten all these subjects, and that's one reason why we're so in such a mess politically. People don't take history. They don't take civics. They don't know anything. Right. And, and I think there's a mistake, the, the mistaken view that the only way you can get a job or do well, you know, professionally is, is to do the, this kind of STEM. STEM is great if you're interested in science. Of right. course, you should follow your passion. But there are many, many ways to live a productive working life. Sure. Lots of people who have English degrees, history, history degrees. And the truth of the matter is, what your second or third or fifth or sixth job is going to have so little to do with what you trained for that what you want are these broad basic skills that can last you for your whole life in your working life. 
but also you know you have other lives as well as a parent as a as a reader as a as a you know as a friend it, it, this is something that helps you with all of that but the most important thing i think people worry so much about is you can these these broad based skills actually are more portable as the economy changes because that's the stuff you don't know what industry you're going to be in 20 years from now but you know that you're going to need to think clearly express yourself clearly work with other people you know those kind of co- common skills and what happened to the idea of the renaissance man right. Right. you know the with the most interesting man in the world, dude. You know, don't we all want to be like him? Yeah, and you know he's a history major. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or philosophy, you know. Well, um, okay, does the panel have any expectations for Obama's meeting with Raul Castro? Uh, <laughs> Fareed? Look, I, I think it's terrific yeah, that we are trying, after, after yes. you know, five decades of isolation, we're trying to see whether... Commerce and capitalism and trade will change Cuba more than isolation and sanctions and threats. Because I tend to, in, in a weird way, I think I'm the capitalist here. You know, I think, I, I think give give the Cuban people a taste of the of the world that they have missed out on, and you will see the you know the it will be the acid that will dissolve this dictatorship over time. We could have done this 50 years ago, and. Today, Cuba would be St. Bart's. And Jay-Z this, would be partying there. This was one of the presidents, or that's when a good he thing. was a candidate, yes. was one of his issues against Hillary Clinton, saying, you know, it was a different Castro, but saying, you know, yes, I would sit down and talk to him and talk to Ahmadinejad, and this was sort of his point. On the, list of, the, on the list of dictators that we have done business with, there were about a hundredth on the list as far as awfulness. But, but do you I actually, just, I mean, do you think, like... I, I don't ha- particularly have a problem with the opening to Cuba, but I don't think we should kid ourselves necessarily that capitalism is actually a solvent of dictatorships. I mean, we've been making China. that argument with China for the last but 30 years. Look, that, and, and, I mean, I China s- is much freer than it was 30 years ago. I mean, I've been going to China for 20-odd 20, 20 years, and it, people have the, the ability to own property. They can move. They can get the job they want. These are all real freedoms. You know that. I mean, Ross, right. the, the, free, the, the freedom to own p- property no, I, is freedom. I, freedom I agree. to work I, is freedom. I'm just saying the dictatorship yeah. itself also Political. benefits from managing the opening, right? And this is this is. Dave, been, you're near. You're near. <laughs> I, I I live in Miami. My wife right. is Cuban. My wife. Oh, really? Is, she's actually Cuban Jewish. Juban. They. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what they call. They didn't. They didn't come on uh, rafts. They parted the Caribbean. But they are. <laughs> but my wife is Cuban. Her family all fled Castro. I know many Cubans. Miami people. That you know, they're, they're viewed as fanatics. They're not. The second generation, third generation, like my wife, they they're much more realistic. But there's there's one thing they all agree on, which is yes, good. Let's you know open. We're already Cubans are sending a lot of money down there anyway. Sure. As it is. But nobody in Miami believes that the Castros are going to give up any power whatsoever. Nobody believes that it's going to get any better politically really? for a long time. And that the people who believe that are very naive. But they're both very old, the Castros. But they've got all these thugs working for them. They've yeah. got a whole apparatus. Those people aren't but you know, the thing about dictatorships is when they're in place, you think that they go on forever. And then when they collapse, you always think, God, why did, how was it able to stay so? You know, you right. Think about all these dictatorships we've seen. Sure. Well, what about China? Gaddafi, people like that. Mao died and China still... Well, yeah, but China is the most successful economic development in human history. Cuba is not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Dave, what is the secret to your youthful hair? Uh, well, <laughs> and, and, 
And do you worry? I've been about, wanting to ask that all night. And so. do you worry about young guy hair, old guy face? Is that something that you? <laughs> is that a concern that you have? Because well, that is a, and we know it's real. But this it's is very. Yeah, I get accused of not having real hair, but thank you no, for thank no. you for giving me this opportunity on television to say no. This is my fucking hair. <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is my haircut. I've, I've had yes, the same haircut I know since you, childhood. I know. It's amazing. It is a freak of nature. All right. Thank you, panel. Thank you. Thank you, audience. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10. Or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.